Welcome to the Life Central Bikers Church Podcast. We trust that this message will speak into your life. Father God, thank you that we can come before you, Lord, and, and just give thanks, Lord. Lord, you're the author of our lives, Lord. You've knitted us together in our mother's wombs, Lord. You know every inch of our bodies, Lord. You know exactly what it is that we struggle with. And you know, Lord, when we celebrate the breakthrough, we are so, so thankful. And it's my prayer this morning, Lord, that in everything we do, that you be magnified in it. Let me pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Welcome to have a seat. Thank you to the band. So this morning, if I make some high felt noises or wailing noises, or if I sound a bit like the ocean, it's, it's just I'm thinking of all the guys that's at the faith rally and, and those at the amicus rally. So uh, if you hear those funny noises, please please forgive me. I'll, I'll blame it on the mic. Um, now this uh, morning, we're going to end our two-part series. And last Sunday, we, we spoke about intentional invite, that we need to be intentional when we invite someone. And we said that our intention should be to see a relationship with Jesus become a reality in someone else's lives when we invite them. And so this morning, we're going to talk about being intentional in our why. So the question this morning is, what is your why? Why do you do what you do and say what you, what you say? What is your intention for doing what you're doing and saying what you're saying? Now, I think all of us here can, can attest to, to instances where where maybe we saw something in someone else's lives that we, we thought it to be, to be wrong. Or we, we saw something in someone else's lives that, that, that we thought that, yeah, that thing needs to change. And we just jumped in and, and we said our say and, you know, pointed the, the wrong out. And so often that, that causes more, more harm than, than good. And I wonder, you know, could it, could it be that, that we're so quick to speak, we don't even take a couple of seconds to, to just pause and, and say, God, what do you want me to, to speak into this? And so this morning I want to touch on, on two accounts of, of Paul. Now, the one is in, in Acts 17, verse 16 to, to 31, and the, the scripture will be there on the board. Now, what's happening here is Paul is in, in Athens, a city that by that time already had a, had a small Christian population. And as Paul spends time in Athens, he sees some things that, that he's not happy with. He sees the, the state of society there in Athens. And so he reasons with anyone that's, that's willing to listen. 
we read that, that even, even in the marketplaces, anyone that was willing to listen, he connected with it. And so we, we see these bunch of guys come in and, and they, they say to Paul, no, 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 you know, come here. We, we need to, to hear what, what it is that, that you have to say. And so Paul gets a larger audience. And as he talks to these people, there's a few things that, that we can take away from, from what he's saying here. So the first thing is that, that he's finding a common ground with the people based on, on where they are. And then in, in, in verse 22, we, we see that, that, he's, that he's uplifting the, the people. He's, he's building them, them up. Depending on, on what translation you have, it, it might say that Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are a very uh, religious bunch. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So, so he builds them up. He says, no guys, I see that, 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 that you guys of, of religion. And then then he connects with them on, on a very personal level. You see, Paul knew their story. He knew the history. And so there's a very specific reason he brings up this altar. The, the altar that they built to an unknown God. Because you see, a couple of hundred years before Paul came to Athens, there was this plague in Athens. And so the, the Greeks saw that none of their gods were strong enough to take this plague away. And eventually they reasoned that none of their gods cared enough to want to take the plague away. And they came to the, the, the conclusion that, that there's probably an unknown god that that we can sacrifice to that will be strong enough to take this away and will care enough that he would want to take it away. And so they built this altar to an unknown God. And here Paul comes and he says, guys, you know, you know that, that unknown God for you built the altar, that God that was so strong that he took the plague away, that God that loved you so much that he wanted to take the plague away? Well, I'm here today to tell you that God has a name. His name is Jesus. And in fact, he cared so much about you that, that he died on the cross for you. And he cares so much that, that he wants so much more for you in your life. And then as we continue to read that scripture, we, we see that, that eventually Paul tells them about God. Then there's the, the second account of Paul. And it's, a, it's one of those books in, in the New Testament, if, if you page too fast, you'll, you'll just skip right over it. And it's a, it's a letter that Paul wrote, wrote to, to Philemon. And we see that this letter is, a, is about a, a slave called Onesimus. 
And for unknown reasons, Onesimus, he ran away from his master. And somehow, by, by hook or by crook, Onesimus ended up in Rome. And there, once again, somehow, he crossed paths with, with Paul, who was in captivity at that stage. And Onesimus comes to know Jesus. And so, Paul gets to hear the, the story, Onesimus' story. And so he tells Onesimus to go back to his master. Now that must have been frightening to Onesimus because the punishment for runaway slave, most of the time it was death. And so Onesimus must have been so, so afraid. And so Paul writes two letters. One of them he addresses to Philemon. And he sends Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter. Now, in, in today's day and age, you know, when, when people upset us, when, when they step on our toes, when they offend us, when someone does something that, that just irks us, we, we want to make that social media post. You want to post that message on the WhatsApp group. You want to type that strongly worded email. But you need to ask yourself, why? What's my goal for doing this? What do I want to achieve by writing this? And so this is what Paul had to ask himself. You know, what, what's my goal here for writing this letter? And in fact, Paul dealt with, with a life and death situation here. At worst, Onesimus goes back to Philemon and, and he's executed because he ran away and that was the punishment for runaway slave. And so we see that as we read through that letter, we see that, that Paul's goal, his motive, was reconciliation and forgiveness. And so... Philemon, he was, a, he was a rich man. He was a man of, of status. And now, this slave comes back, the one that ran away. He gives him the letter that says, well, where Paul asks for Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And Paul asks for reconciliation. And this must have been a big ask for a man of Philemon's stature in society. Now we can only uh, speculate that, that Philemon did indeed forgive Onesimus. Because as we jump into the history books, more specifically church history, we see that Onesimus became the bishop of the church in Ephesus. And so, we see here that, that Paul having a motive that ultimately glorified God. Paul's why was forgiveness and reconciliation. And we see that, that because that was pure and because Paul moved with the leading of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what we saw here. 
forgiveness, and reconciliation. Now, we live in a day and age where it's very easy to, to criticize and spread gossip. And as Jesus followers, we need to ask ourselves, how are we different from the world if we conform to this kind of behavior? See, when, when, when you as a believer gossip, why? How is that drawing someone closer to Jesus? When, when you're in that group chatting with people, criticizing leadership, what's that communicating to the guy standing next to you? Maybe in that group, there's someone who's considering to give this Christian thing a try. And now this is what he's experiencing in that group. Why are you doing it? What is your why? Maybe, maybe that, that guy in church or, or that guy in, in life group or in your ministry circles he steps on your toes. He says something or does something that offends you. And so in all your keyboard warrior glory, you jump on the WhatsApp group and you type away. And you somehow quote some scriptures to fit your narrative. And you make that post. Why? How is that glorifying God? That person who's not yet said yes to Jesus. As you chat with that person, are you intentional? Why are you saying what you're saying? Is it, is it love that will draw that person to Jesus? Is it, is it judgment? Can you hold someone accountable to something they've not said yes to yet? When a fellow believer wrongs you, why do you say what you say? Is your, is your goal forgiveness? Is it reconciliation? Is it to see a brother or sister change for the better. When you see something wrong in someone else's life, are you so quick to judge that you don't even pause for a second to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into speaking into that situation? See, how often are, are we as believers quick to criticize, quick to gossip, quick to complain, quick to make hurtful, damaging, and divisive posts on social media, but we are so, so slow to say sorry. We are so slow to forgive. 
we are so slow to, to go into prayer and, and spend time with God and asking, why do I feel the way I feel? Lord, is there something that you need me to speak into this? We, we're so slow to arrange that one-on-one -on -one meeting to talk things out. This is not on, on the board, but in James chapter 1, from verse 19, it says, and I'm reading from the NLT, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts. It has the power to save your souls. See, as a believer, are you intentional in being more like Jesus? Now, these are, these are a couple of serious things to think about. In Luke 14, verse 28 to 33, Jesus speaks about the cost of being one of his disciples, of being one of his followers. And so the, the, the cost for you and me in, in today's society in, in saying yes to Jesus and being one of his followers, the cost is less of you and more of Jesus in every aspect and area of your life. The cost is saying no to what's wrong. And, and maybe, maybe in the moment, it might lead to people making fun of you. But in the long run, those very same people, they'll come to you with heart issues. They'll come to you for prayer because your integrity is intact. Be intentional in what you do. Ask yourself, what is my goal? What's my motive? And if you call yourself a Jesus follower, then we need to be the kind of salt that gives flavor. Luke 14 verse 34 to, to 35, Jesus speaks about salt, how it's good to give flavor, but if salt loses its flavor, then you can't do anything with it. And so the question to you and me this morning is, are, are we the kind of salt that, that gives the, the flavor of forgiveness? Are we the kind of salt that gives the flavor of hope? Are we the kind of salt that, that gives a flavor that, that facilitates reconciliation? Are we the the kind of salt that, that gives flavor that, that facilitates or, or that says, come just as you are? Or, or are we the kind of salt that 
that lost its flavor. And so the only flavor we give when people hang with us is they, they experience complaining, they, 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 they experience negativity, criticism, unforgiveness, a coldness towards ministry. And in fact, who you say you are and, and, and what you do, it's worlds apart. Because you're the kind of salt that, that lost your flavor. So what kind of salt are you? Why do you do what you do and say what you say? Does it give the flavor of Jesus? Does it give the flavor of pretense and hypocrisy? So, why did Jesus die for us on the cross? Why, why does God forgive you every single time? Why, even in the most difficult truths of His Word, He gives you grace? It's because He loves you. We can't do anything to deserve Jesus' love. He freely gives it. He loves us so, so much that, that we can't even measure that kind of love. But we know it's unconditional. See, when we, when we understand that, that love is an action and not a feeling, I think it's then that, that we start to grasp what Jesus did for us. It's then that we start to grasp how unconditional his love is. The, the Jewish word for love, ahava, speaks to love being more of an action than it is a feeling. Now two, two scriptures that we, that we like to quote and we like to memorize and, and tell people about is, is 1 Corinthians 13 speaking about what love is, and Galatians 5, that tells us the fruits of the Spirit. And it will we'll show there on, on the board. And so we see that love is, is patience, kindness, doesn't get jealous, not boastful, it's not proud or rude or irritable, does not demand its own way, it keeps no record of wrongs. It never gives up. never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures. And then the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now when we look closely, when we really dive into these two scriptures, we see that it's actions. These are not feelings. These are not goosebumps that you get. It's, it's actions. And so what, we, what we're saying when we ask ourselves why is what we're actually asking is 
Does my actions speak to what love is according to 1 Corinthians 13? When we ask ourselves why, what we're asking is, is my actions, is it the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? And so again, before you type that text, before you say that thing that you want to say, ask yourself, why? We all know that, that once it's said, it's said. You, you can't unsay it. We all know that once those blue ticks show on WhatsApp, it's done. Can't take it back. It was sent, it's received, it's read. We know when you get that read received from your email, it, it's done. You can't, you can't unsend that email. And I think we can all attest that, that we've been in situations where we've said something or done something and, and afterwards we ask ourselves, why did I just say that? Why did I just do that? And you can't take it back. The damage has been done. And so... As you ponder on what is your why, the question is, is there something that maybe you need to change? What will your, what will your next step be? Maybe, maybe for you, you, you're so quick to, to fire from the hip. No, when you, you, you're quick to, to fire back, quick to respond. And so maybe for you, your next step is to, to maybe just take that, that five-second break. A friend of mine used to say, just take that toilet break. And ask yourself, why? Why do I want to say this? What's my goal? What will the consequences be? Is this something that will glorify God? So maybe your next step is just, just to take that five-second pause and ask yourself, why? Or, or maybe, maybe you're someone that you've got a strong personality. You don't need anyone to fight your battles for you. You're not afraid of conflict. And so you're very quick to shoot back when, when someone offends you, when someone does something that, that they're stepping on your toes or, or something that you're not happy with. You're very quick to, to just get right in there, put them on their spot, and you move on. And so maybe your next step is to ask God first. Maybe for you, before you respond, you need to, to ask God, what do you want me to say into this? 
How do you want me to respond? And this is not something that will come on, on its own. It, it won't just happen. It will have to be a very conscious decision that you make every single time until it becomes a habit. Or maybe, maybe you're the kind of person that, that you say, it's not my fault people get hurt. I just speak the truth. It's not my problem if they feel offended or hurt. The truth is the truth. Now here's the thing about the truth. The truth in its very nature is narrow and it's exclusive. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. But here's the thing. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit's leading when we speak that truth. Because what will happen is the truth that we speak will land on fertile soil. Maybe it will be because the Holy Spirit laid on our hearts to, to maybe use some different words or different tone of voice in speaking that truth. Maybe it will be because we've waited a bit before we spoke that truth. And in waiting, the Holy Spirit prepared someone's heart to receive that truth. See, God's Word is the truth that gives hope, it gives assurance, it gives grace, it brings unity and renewal. It strengthens and it breaks change. Change, sorry. And the thing about truth is truth can never be without grace. And the thing about grace is it can never be without truth. Otherwise, it's, it's false. And so, bring glory to God when you engage with others. Be intentional when you engage with people. Before you act, ask yourself, why? Let's close our eyes and pray. Father God, thank you that we can gather here this morning, Lord. And just spend time in in worshiping you, Lord. Spend time in, in hearing from you, Lord. Lord, we, we know that, that as, as humans, Lord, we, we are so often so quick to respond. Lord. Many of us have regrets because of that. Lord, and so I, I pray that you speak into each and every person's life, Lord. Lay on their hearts. Maybe to, to just pause that five seconds and to seek you first before they respond. Lord, and we know that, that we cannot dilute your word, Lord. Your word is your word. It gives life and it's the truth, Lord. 
So I pray that you guide us to, to speak that truth every single time. But do it in such a way that, that people will experience that there's love and there's grace for them. That in speaking that truth, they will know that God has so much more for them. Lord, I pray that, that as we head out this morning and into the week, Lord, that you would watch over each and every family, Lord. Keep them safe. Make everyone safely back home, Lord. So that we may gather here again next week Sunday. Lord, and I'm also thinking of those traveling back from, from the faith rally and from Amicus, Lord, and I pray that you would take each of those brothers and sisters, that you would bring them safely back home, Lord. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, have a wonderful Sunday, and we're looking forward to seeing you here next week again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Life Central Bikers Church podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at lifecentralchurch.org.za and get in touch.